Welcome to the Iowa Idea Podcast. Join host Matt Arnold for in-depth conversations with artists, designers, entrepreneurs, and civic leaders as he explores how they approach their craft and represent a modern version of the Iowa Idea. This podcast tells the stories of Iowa natives, transplants, and friends who demonstrate the Iowa idea in the 21st century. Take your time to figure it out. In this episode of the Iowa Idea podcast, I sit down with Kim Casco. Kim is president and CEO of the Iowa City Area Business Partnership, serving nearly 800 member businesses throughout Johnson County and beyond. Kim grew up in New York and lived in four different states before moving to Iowa. Prior to joining the business partnership in fall 2016, she worked in both the public and private sectors, serving as an information technology consultant at PricewaterhouseCoopers, career advisor at the University of Maryland, change management director at the University of Illinois, and organizational effectiveness manager at ACT. We discuss her journey into community leadership. We talk about leadership in crucible moments that shape us as leaders, as well as the importance of self-care and resilience. We also talked about EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, and how Iowa City Area Business Partnership used EOS to help guide their recent rebranding efforts. I appreciated Kim using the lens of the Steve Jobs quote, you can't connect the dots looking forward, you can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. It was an honor having Kim join me on the show. I thank her for sharing her time and insights. I hope you enjoy the episode. Kim Casco, it is a pleasure to have you here on the Iowa Idea podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, for our guests, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. Well, thanks, Matt, for having me on. It's so good to see you with air quotes. Right. Um, so I guess, yeah, about myself, I'm from New York originally. I um, was born in Queens, and then my parents moved about 25 miles uh, northwest of New York City when I was about four or five, and that's that's mainly where I grew up. Um, I've got, um, my parents are, are still living, fortunately, and I've got two sisters and a brother, and all of them are, are back in New York and New Jersey, so I, I get back there quite a bit. Unfortunately, not so much um, this past year, um, but but hoping to, to be able to get out there soon. Um, I went to uh, Bucknell University in Pennsylvania uh, for undergrad. I uh, have a degree in management and psychology. And uh, grad school at Northwestern uh, University, where I got my master's in higher ed administration, and and that's what um, brought me out to the Midwest. Um, you know, I've, I've lived in New York City. I lived in, in Hartford, Connecticut, for a while. I lived in Silver Spring, Maryland, and then eventually it was grad school that brought me to Chicago, um, and spent a number of the years there. And then met my now husband uh, through eHarmony, and that's what brought me out to Iowa City, and just absolutely fell in love with it here. And, um, and yeah, and that's kind of, I, I've done, I, I tend to be a little bit of a, career, a serial career hopper. I've had a number of different uh, stints from IT consultant to career counselor to, to change management, OD consultant, uh, and then a brief stint uh, here doing program coordination at the Iowa City Animal Care and Adoption Center, which is what led me to now have a, a wonderful uh, three-legged Shih Tzu Pomeranian mix. Uh, I was a failed foster on that one. <laughs> it's been with us for nine years. And so that's that's kind of me in a, in a nutshell. 
Great. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining me. Uh, so uh, one, one of the things just wanted to mention my mother-in-law went to Bucknell. So that was her and no way. Yeah. She was a, uh, she's retired now, but uh, she was a, a school psychologist. So uh, education psychology yeah. is her, her background. And, yeah. and so oh she goodness. came, came to the Midwest too with school. Cause she did her uh, master's at the university of Wisconsin. And that's where my, my in-laws met. Oh my gosh. Well, you'll have to tell her Ray Bucknell. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk you you mentioned kind of uh, some of the different roles you had, but with your your interests, a lot of them in in psychology and organizational development and kind of what makes people tick. But do you mind telling me a little bit more about your journey, how you became interested in in some of those first academic programs, and then now with the uh, business partnership? Sure. So, you know, it's taken me a while to kind of figure out what connection my various paths have had. And I always kind of rely on a, a Steve Jobs quote that, you know, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward and you just have to trust that they're going to connect. And so, you know, I think for me, yeah, the roots very much are in that uh, combination of, of business and, and psychology uh, that's at the root of, of everything and really just, um, you know, and it's very basic sense, helping people figure out, you know, what it is, how they can be at their best um, and what that looks like, whether it be at the individual level, um, you know, when I was a career counselor to um, the, the, the team and leadership level, when I was doing organizational development, you know, consulting to now a community level, you know, what does it, what does it mean? What does it look like for a community to be at its best? And so I think that's, um, really what's kind of always driven my various um, career choices. And that's what led me to this position. I think, you know, I was, this was not on my radar. Um, actually, you find that many kind of chamber directors don't necessarily grow up wanting to be, you know, chamber director, but I was involved in the chamber when I actually, when I first moved here, it was instrumental when I first moved here from Chicago. Um, maybe not for the reasons you might be thinking of. I, I went, they, they were organizing a trip to India and I saw it in the CBJ. I'm like, that looks cool. I'm going to do that. And, you know, I had just moved here and I went on this trip and it was really great. And then I went through the community leadership program and you know, that really got me connected and ingrained in the community. And then I, I ran the programming committee for that. And so I, you know, I've been connected to the, the chamber, you know, in different ways. And so when this job came up, a couple of people, you know, mentioned it to me and I thought they were crazy at first, but then when I thought about that connection, you know, it you know, allows me to kind of really you serve the community that's been so special to me here you know as well as apply some of the things i was learning in org development and change management um, to lead a team you know and to lead a community that's going through change um, as well as getting to work with some of the most fantastic people we have here in this community thanks and uh what what class were you of uh, clp the community Leader leadership program I was class of 2011, 2012. All right. And and then you did, was it the following year that you did uh, the the programming? We're part of the programming committee? Yep. So then I, I bounced right into the programming committee after that and was on it. I think the typical rotation is three, four years. Um, and I kind of did that. And you come out of CLP thinking, oh, we're going to get more plugged in. Right. And for me, it was like more CLP. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, did that. And, you know, around the time when I was finishing that up, I was like, okay, now I really do have to figure out, you know, where I want to dig in. And then I took this job. So 
Um, but it's been great getting to still, you know, that program is close to my heart, as you know, as an alum right. yourself. Absolutely. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 1920 for 1920, me. 1920, yeah. yeah. So uh, question. Yeah, and your class was, will forever be known as the pandemic <laughs> right, class right. in some ways, an interesting ending there. <laughs> yeah, and that, I did want to dig in with you. So uh, in your in your leadership with uh, uh, the partnership, you know, form, formerly known as uh, uh, the Iowa City Area uh, Chamber, the so lots of change, but you, if you don't mind walking me through some of the big things. So there was a recognition of, of change and there was some rebranding and then it almost feels like right on the tails of rebranding, right? Then, then pandemic struck, right? And so a lot of other things changing, but can you walk me through that arc a little bit of some of the planned change and then also what we're dealing with now on some of the unplanned change? Sure, sure. So actually, it started in in uh, early 2019, even before that, you know, when I, my first year here, so I started in September of 2016. Uh, and I think it was the summer of 2017, we did a, a large member survey to really understand, you know, what our members were, were looking for and what's of value to them. Um, and that actually then led us, those results led us to, to explore, you know, potential further alignment with our peer organization, the Iowa City Area Development Group. Um, because some of the things that were mentioned in the survey were things that, that they do, you know, and vice versa. So we thought, you know, there, there could be some opportunity here. And we did explore that, you know, in a very formal way um, and decided because of some of the work that we do, particularly around public policy advocacy um, and knowing the time it takes if you're going to do more formal alignment that we just, we didn't want to go that route. But what we did decide is that we wanted to start aligning more organically um, and sharing resources where it made sense. Um, and so one of the things we did is we moved in together, essentially. So we moved into the merge space in, it was August of 2019. And so, um, you know, and from there have, you know, done some work sharing, you know, certain programs that we run together, such as our, our innovation and education uh, awards and things like that. And so after that, you know, we, in 2019, the beginning of 2019, we went through the process of developing a new strategic plan. And for that, we've been using the entrepreneurial operating system framework, which has been a fantastic framework for us. And it really forces you to think very, very long-term in terms of your 10-year, you know, audacious vision and where you want to go. But then you kind of scale it back to a, a three-year picture and then a one-year plan. And then you've got quarterly goals. And so we spent a good chunk of the year working through that and kind of figuring out, okay, what is it? Where are we at? you know, as an organization, what's working, what's not working, what do our members need, where do we need to go? And so um, once we got that in place, from there, we started talking about rebranding, um, I think, because that came out as, a, as an issue. And as we talked with um, some of our you know, current members, as well as future members, the younger generation, you know, we found that, um, you know, one, the term chamber is just not as recognizable to the younger generation. Um, it, it automatically comes with a little bit of an old-fashioned image, and so that we were, you know, are trying to change. You know, and I think for us here in this community too, people automatically assume we're connected to the U.S. Chamber, or a member of the U.S. Chamber, um, which we are not. Uh, and you, 
you know, individual chambers have to pay to be a part of it. It's not kind of this natural umbrella organization. So for us, you know, that's, a, I think, an important distinction in this community. Um, we do leverage some of their, their resources. I think they've got some fantastic things for small businesses. And, um, but we are truly independent. We're truly, you know, serving this business community. And um, so we went through that process in fall of, of 2019 to figure out what we wanted that new brand to be. And just the theme of partnership kept coming back up and just that really that's what it's all about. You know, for, for us as an organization, certainly, you know, we partner with ICAD in the downtown district and think Iowa City. And, um, and then for our membership too, having businesses, you know, partnering with each other and facilitating that. Um, and really more of a focus, you know, change the word commerce to business, which is a more common, you know, used term. Right. And, and so, so we did that. And yes, we launched the new brand uh, at our annual banquet uh, in February. And then, you know, the process of, okay, making it stick and all of that, and then COVID hit. Right. So, so that, you know, we had a lot more plan in terms of just, you know, updating the collateral, doing additional you know, collateral to get our brand out there, which we had to scale back on as an organization too, you know, hit by this, by COVID-19, you know, we had to, you know, scale back our expenses. And so, um, but in some ways, I think, you know, our collective effort, again, with our peer orgs and having that collective brand of, you know, Better Together and Project Better Together, you know, has also helped to elevate all of our brands. Um, and so that that was certainly unanticipated. But again, like that partner, it also just hones in on that that, that key part of that partnership theme. Thanks. Uh, and so uh, a couple of areas where I want to dig in, uh, I guess, uh, stealing from CLP, right? And when uh, the program started for me, kind of the first big theme was uh, crucible moments and kind of this mm -hmm. leadership crucible. And it feels like that might be so, so you have this new brand, and then you have this big economic challenge and health challenge, right? It just all the things in the community with pandemic. Uh, but thinking about kind of a crucible leadership moment is, are, are you feeling that right now with pandemic? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's been, oh yeah, in so many ways. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, yeah, as defined crucible moments are those transformative moments in your life, these really, you know, hard moments. And sometimes you really don't realize, you know, until coming out of it, right. what the impact is. So, so I think for sure, you know, we're all in it collectively right now. Um, and just, you know, figuring out the health and safety of your employees, of your business, of the community, and it weighs heavy. And yes, I will say, like, I've had, I've had several moments in the past six months that have just laid me out flat on the floor, you know, and actually what's been interesting is it hasn't necessarily been about this crucible moment that we're in right now. It's been about prior ones. Yeah. And so, you know, and I'll, I'll give you, you know, a, a personal example. I, you know, I, um, one of my crucible moments from, from my past is, um, is, I, I, in the third grade, I um, I was burned by hot coffee. I've got burned scars on my, my arm and my back. And, you know, for me, it's always, I, I still process that out, just the impact of that experience. It pulled me out of school for a while. I was already a shy kid, you know, and it just had several impacts in my, in my life. And, you know, it wasn't, I don't know what made me think of it this past, you know, uh, set of months here. But I started thinking about what led up to that, getting burned. And 
um, how, you know, I was playing Lego guns with my cousins. I was at my cousin's house and we were playing, you know, just kind of hide and seek, you know, we had Lego guns. And I decided very early on, I was like, nope, I'm going to go on the defense. I'm going to literally give my Lego gun to my cousin. I went knocked on his bedroom door. I said, here, you take it. And I ran, I hid and under a table that had an electric coffee pot and I crawled under it and that's what did it. And I don't know what made me think, you know, I think maybe connecting back to this moment, it's, you know, as a leader, I think going through this and, and, and um, I don't think I'm the only one, but you question your leadership. Like, right. am I doing what I need to be doing? Um, and sometimes you, you want to just hand over that power and run and hide, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it just, I think it made me think of like, of that, like, and, and, and the feeling I've been feeling the past six months from time to time, that just uncertainty. And uh, I'm like, this feel, this feeling feels familiar. And it just kind of took me back to that moment. And then I think about, well, that's what happened. And then I got yeah. burned. So what does that mean? You know, so, so for this, what's been interesting is like, I'm processing because of the deep space that you're in, you start processing moments from your past and have these moments of of clarity. And that's what's been impactful for me. I feel like it's going to take me several years to unpack what's right. been happening this year, right? Yeah, yeah. And thank you, because that was as just as I was bringing that topic up, I was just thinking, well, we're not even through it. So we, we don't really know what this crucible really entails yet. Yeah, but you have, you know, so yeah, we just were lucky to have um, a set of CLP alum, you know, talk with them this past Friday about those crucible moments. And I kind of was trying to frame it more like, what have been your aha moments you know, from the past yep. six months? Because you haven't quite fully, you know, processed it out yet. Um, but I think, you know, people talking about just the importance of, um, you know, putting your mask on first um, and, and learning your breaking points and, and what those are. And then when you need to kind of step back and, and just the importance of, phoning a friend, you know, this is like no other moment where, you know, if we could hug each other, even right. like you, that would help you get through. But I think the fact that you can't do that, it's not, but, but not to forget that people are still out there and you could still reach out and call out for help and, and have that help. And so, you know, just learning those things about yourself and learning those things. Like, no, I don't think, you know, anyone has ever really led in a pandemic. So you, you learn a lot about your own, um, you know, leadership style and kind of, you know, what's important to you uh, in leadership and in life. Yeah, and so thank I you. Yeah, and um, one one of the things that I was hearing, and I, I really appreciated that frame that you used, more of the the aha moment right now, what we've been through or going through, and uh, thinking about that too is uh, the need for self care. Right. Like yeah. as a former manager of mine, it's you, you can't pour from an empty vessel. So, you know, some of that is making sure that you do take time to make sure that you're recharging and, and then also still being attuned to others needs around you. Right. And, and trying to keep that balanced. My wife and I were talking, I wish I could remember where she heard this term recently, but the term was surge capacity and just with everything that's going on also, mm -hmm just knowing that 
I just might have to tell, so I, I can't do this for you right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm at capacity where usually, you know, there's other things I can, okay, I can help. I can jump in and still trying to navigate that about putting positive energy in the world, but also making sure that you take care of yourself so that, that you can play the long game. Yeah, because this is, as we're learning, a marathon and not a sprint. Right. Uh, and yeah, I love that term, surge capacity. I'm going to have to use that because, yeah, I think we're all seeing where those those limits are. I mean, I think we're all seeing how resilient we can be, which is kind of the, the positive framing of that. But I think we're all seeing where, you know, we need to kind of take that time out and, and put that kind of figurative, you know, put our mask on in the self-care. And, right. Right. Thinking about uh, just going back a little bit to the the rebrand effort and uh, thinking about um, EOS because I'm I'm a big fan of traction. Uh, so yeah. one yeah you know, one of the books from EOS and uh, trying to remember to uh, spend time in the business and on the business right that because yeah. sometimes you get lost in it you're you're just you so so much just like trying to get everything done that. Where do you step out and look at the business? So thinking about the brand work that you did, uh, what were some of the big insights? I mean, you kind of talked about some of the, the partnerships, which has also led to better together. But what were some of the other kind of insights for you as a, as a leader kind of running an organization regarding work on the business rather than in the business? Yeah, I think that that's, yeah, exactly it. And where EOS has been incredibly valuable for us or using that framework, it forces you to have time to, you know, in terms of kind of stepping out and and looking uh, at the business holistically, you know, for us, when we were trying to figure out, um, you know, our, our vision and our mission and our value props, uh, it was interesting because, you know, we try to, you know, a lot of our board members are like, you know, like you need to focus, like, you know, pick a couple things, focus and, and, um, and it's hard, I think in our industry and in our type of business and that you, you just serve a lot of different groups and entities. And, and we had this debate around, well, what's our really, what's our true purpose? What's our true why? Um, is it, you know, our, our mission statement used to be, you know, fostering a better business environment. So is it all about just, you know, services to our, our business community? Um, you know, or is it about the community overall? You know, a lot of what we do is, is community development, quality of life, quality of place type work. And I remember, you know, as a team, we kind of had this debate, like, do we just need to pick one and go all in because we want to be like a business and focus and that's how you have success. And, but yet looking back, we looked back at our mission statements over time and it was fascinating because it was always about both of those things. And actually probably started out being a little bit more about community development. Like our businesses came together saying, you know, let's work together to you know, support each other, but also to make our community better, um, you know, and help fill the gaps where maybe the public entities you know, weren't. And so, and then form, you know, the, the public private partnerships and whatnot. And so, you know, I think, yeah, we went back and forth, you know, on that, you know, and landed on, you know, our, what is our, you know, mission statement is that, you know, we look to make Johnson County the best place to live, work and learn by serving our business community. So it's a yes and, and not an either or, and the ultimate right. why is, is about the, you know, the community. And so, so I think that, you know, played a key part in knowing at that level, like in terms of, 
making this community as strong as it, it can be. Like we don't we don't own that. You know, there's a lot of other organizations that have that as the, the mission too. And that's where you partner, you know, but our niche, you know, is kind of focusing on, you know, you know, servicing and, and championing um, the business community, particularly the local business community. And so, you know, once we kind of, you know, nailed that, you know, and then thought about, well, you know, what are our key, you know, what's unique for us? What are our value propositions? You know, we landed on, you know, we connect members with the resources they need to grow. Uh, we advocate on behalf of issues important to area businesses and we engage. We engage the business community to positively impact the community as a whole. And so once we kind of had some of those, you know, foundational pieces um, along, you know, with our, with our values, um, we've got, you know, our, our five core values are, you know, members first mindset, um, for the love of our community, um, just being passionate about our community, um, collaboration, you know, is the way, uh, continuously improve continuously and being humorously human. <laughs> and so that, you know, I think, you know, that we certainly kind of runs how we operate as a team, but also what we look for in terms of. Uh, you know, members that join the business partnership is sharing in those values as well. And so that really, that formed the foundation of the brand, you know, because we didn't want to do the, the branding in a vacuum. I think it's important to have that, that foundation level first right. um, and then decide, okay, what's the packaging that you put on that and what's the external face of that? Yeah. And that's, that's something I really appreciated uh, about, about your team and the work that you did too, was that like, what's the deep why? And then anchoring in that and like having those, having those values. And as, as you were talking about the mission too, it reminds me of, you know, one of the things we've discussed in uh, community leadership program is the, the notion of a lovable city, uh, right? Going beyond a livable city. How do you make a lovable city? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so and that's my, where we got for the love of our community. Yeah. Was from that TED talk <laughs> from Peter Kijiyama. Yep. yep. Yeah. So I, I, I really love that. And I'm just uh, on a personal note, uh, what, what are some of the things uh, that make, make Johnson County lovable for, for you? Oh my gosh. I think so many different things. I mean, I think for me, you know, immediately when I moved here, it was just um, just people being so welcoming and willing to help. You know, growing up in New York, uh, you know, I think I just kind of grew up with the assumption, especially when you're living in the city, you're fighting for yourself, you know? Right. And, and so I just had this assumption that like nobody wants to help me. I've got to fend for myself. And you know, when I came here, you know, my, uh, you know, that husband was like, well, just start talking, talking to people, tell them what you're looking to do. I'm like, nobody wants to help me. But sure enough, later that day, a neighbor yeah. came by with some Oreo balls, which was amazing. I'd never had those, <laughs> that type of cookie. And um, he was like, what are you looking to do? And I, you know, told him, he's like, oh, you should meet with so-and-so and so-and-so. And he connected me with these other people and, and just like, I mean, I was just floored by that. And even just simply going to the grocery store, like the high V, like the clerk asks you, like, what are you looking for? And then they take you to the item. Like that does not happen in cities. And so, you know, I think just little things like that, that I hope we never lose, you know, and just some of the, you know, quirkiness too, of just, 
you know, having just the vibe, you know, downtown with, with the Ped Mall, you know, and, and the art, um, and you know, just some of the, you know, uniqueness and, and, you know, I think the, the downtown district has done, done an amazing job with just some, you know, like the block party and just some fun things that are, you know, becoming really what are, are unique to our community. Yeah, those are, I know, uh, related to some of those are just some of the things that was so hard for me selfishly with pandemic, but was that we didn't have Mission Creek. We we didn't have the downtown block party this summer and all of the uh, summer of the arts events that uh, are usually big anchors for our family of things that we're going to do and how we're going to spend our time in the summer. Those were really hard not having those. So I'm looking forward yeah. to hopefully having those back soon. Well, it keeps you on track calendar-wise. Like, I yeah. have no idea what month it is right now because right. everything's thrown off. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and even, even things like knowing that, uh, you know, fourth, around 4th of July we'll have Jazz Fest and that's where we'll see fireworks yeah. and, and great yeah. music. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit more, too, right now during, um, during pandemic. How are you keeping yourself recharged? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. My, my team would tell you I'm not doing a, a great job at it, um, but uh, you know I am. I do. Uh, they laugh at me because I've now made it a rock on my quarterly rocks that yeah. I'm going to work out. Um, you know, at least four times a week, and so um, and then that I'm going to meditate at least once per day. Um, and I've been able to stick with that. I started kind of a new meditation routine that, you know, 15 minutes you know, per day, I'm just sitting still and, you know, I've got a mantra and, you know, and I do, I, I try and crank out my workouts in, in the morning and I've been doing good there. And so, um, you know, I think just doing things like that and trying to, you know, when it's, when it's nice out like this, you know, even, yeah. even when it's not just you know, getting out and going for a walk and, Sitting on my front, my front porch actually has been my, my saving grace. I, I, uh, it was one of the things I, I loved about Iowa City the most when I moved here was just this front porch. I've never had a front porch. And and I live in a community that has sidewalks. And so just sitting out there, got a couple rocking chairs and lots of plants and just watching people go by and like waving. And, you know, I just, I could do that all day. So. Thank you. Uh, when, it, when it comes to um, uh, just your your personal path and from a leadership perspective, you know, one, one of the things I, I ask a lot of guests is, do you ever feel stuck? And then if you, how do you, how do how do you get unstuck? What are, what are your personal tips for, for getting unstuck? Yeah, I feel stuck a lot. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if, I mean, it's partly the times, but it's partly because I tend to be an overthinker and overanalyzer. Actually, my team got me a necklace that says, let me overthink about it. Uh, and it's so true and that I, I can easily get myself stuck that way. But yeah, you, you, uh, you think of it as you're just, you know, what can you do to move forward? So, so what I, I guess what I try to do is I, you know, one, try to realize like sometimes the answer isn't meant to materialize yet. Like, and I'm just forcing and forcing. It's not meant to happen yet. And so just to kind of let it lie and mm -hmm. then come back to it or to take that meditation break and come back to it or to figure out like, what's one concrete, what's one small thing I could do and what's one step I could take to kind of move forward. Um, and having people 
you know, because I know I am uh, an overthinker, you know, and my team knows I arm them with, if you see me getting in a rut, just call me on it. Cause sometimes I don't even realize that I'm doing it. And so like having you know, people in place that can just kind of call that out and then help you through it. That's yeah, that's great. And it's, uh, it's wonderful when you're around people you can trust too, that, uh, right. To, yeah, yeah, yeah let me know. Cause shine that mirror on you. right, right. So, uh, yeah. And right now too, we, uh, um, we're moving our way through pandemic. We're still not sure, uh, what things might look like. I'm kind of curious from, from your perspective, are there networks of, of chambers and economic development groups that you can connect with to talk to other people around, around the country, around the globe on what they're doing or idea exchanges? Are there, are there such networks? Yes. Yes. I mean, this industry is amazing for that. I just have never been in a career path where it's just so supported. And I think that's because really, you know, chambers, especially when you get outside a certain radius, aren't competing with each other. Right. So there's a lot of just, you know, sharing. And um, I think they call R&D, like rip off and duplicate. And there's a lot of that <laughs> within. And it's yeah. an amazing profession that way. Actually, I was just on the phone this morning. Um, with a, a colleague uh, up in, in Northern Iowa, another uh, president of a chamber, and you were just uh, talking about, you know, how are things how are things going? You know, what are you doing in, in trading ideas? And it was just incredible. But yeah, we're part of a couple different organizations. We have the Association of Chamber of Commerce Execs, which is nationwide, even international. And uh, we're lucky to be part of this Emerging Cities group and literally every day, like there's an email chain with people saying, you know, how are you handling this? Or where are you at on your retention numbers? Do you have a good idea for this? And people are trading resources back and forth. Um, and so that's been great. And there's monthly calls. Um, I'm also lucky to be part of a new fellowship that they launched. It's the Fellowship for um, Economic Recovery. And it's about 40 of us um, across uh, the nation. And, uh, and that, you know, we had our first session a few weeks ago and it was great just to talk with others. Very similar, everyone's kind of in the same boat. So it was great to just kind of commiserate, you know? Right, right. And then just kind of, you know, just know that, that we're all going through the same thing and to think about, you know, what's next and what's, you know, how we move forward. We're also part of, um, we've got the Iowa Chamber Alliance here in Iowa. It's made up of the 16, 18 largest chambers across the state. And that organization focuses on public policy advocacy at the state level. Um, and so that's a great peer group that meets weekly now. And we've started talking about not just, you know, policy stuff, but okay, you know, how are your organizations doing? How is your business community doing? You know, so that's been, gosh, I don't know what I would do without those networks. It's been incredible. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. And thank you. Thinking about the future, thinking about and, and the context of uh, some of these networks, as well as one of the things that's special about CLP's 30th anniversary is using strategic doing framework. Yeah. So do you mind telling me like what have you have you already and it might be too early in the process, but have you identified some of the wicked problems that people might want to be addressing or that you, we might be working on with the strategic doing framework? You know, I think it's going to be, depend on on the timing, too. As we know, like things change, you know, weekly, daily. 
Um, and yeah, strategic doing, you know, as you know, you went through the training, I went through the training yep. a couple of years ago and was really excited to connect us to CLP because I think it's a great skill set, particularly for community leadership or, or any kind of leadership, even within organizations where you're bringing together uh, different stakeholders. Uh, you know, with different viewpoints to solve, you know, a wicked challenge or, or opportunity and then kind of come up with those small things you could do incrementally. Right. And so, you know, it's, I'm really excited to kind of try that out within the CLP context. And so, you know, I think, you know, we're going to do now the Agile Strategy Lab that, that you know, founded the framework. They've got, they've converted their two and a half day training to this um, seven week online self-paced module. So, we're going to take participants through that in November, December, and do weekly coaching calls. Uh, and then from there, see where we're at, you know, come December, like, okay, what are, you know, where are we at, you know, with this pandemic, you know, what are the community needs, um, you know, from there kind of figure out, you know, what might be some projects that come out of this that where we can use strategic doing it. Cause there's some, as part of the project better together effort, there's some projects already underway, you know, using strategic doing, and it may be hard to plug people into those. And so it's right. figuring out, you know, is there you know, another iteration of that or, or what that might look like? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I was so excited to see that cause I'm a big fan of that, that framework as well. So I was really excited to, to see that, uh, one of the big topics that I uh, talk to guests about is the notion of advice. And so if you, th- I'm stealing from Austin Cleon's book, steal like an artist when he <laughs> says as adults, when we're giving advice, we're just talking to our younger self, but I'm curious about good advice you received uh, along your path, maybe from a mentor or advice you wish you would have had earlier in your life. So if there's some good advice you might give or what's some good advice you've, you've received in your journey. Gosh, I've been lucky to have a lot of really great bosses and mentors and even, you know, most recently in my career here, um, great board chairs um, that and I, I've taken something, you know, from everybody, you know, I think of, um, you know, one person told me, you know, when, in terms of leadership, figuring out, you know, what you, what you do best and focusing on that and kind of delegating the rest, empowering mm-hmm. your team you know, to, to manage the rest. Um, I had a former mentor, you know, tell me, you know, don't die on your own sword. <laughs> I was upset with something that an organization had done. I was kind of ready to storm out. And she's like, time out, you know, like think about this for a moment, you know, and, and just trusting your gut, you know, and really yeah. it kind of all comes down to that. And then also thinking about, you know, especially when you're a new leader coming into an organization, what kind of footprint you know, do you want to leave? you know, and just, and having that as your own North Star and, and vision. Um, so, so those have been, I think, some of the, some of the things that stick out in, in my mind that, that I've received that it's, that's been helpful. Um, I think, you know, in terms of, gosh, what I would tell my, my younger self, um, you know, I think, um, just to, you know, trust your gut, you know, and to, to take time to really, you know, figure out and learn what you're passionate about. You know, I think probably when we grew up, there were just those traditional paths mm-hmm. and you knew, you know, I, you know, I kind of got swept up, you know, when I was coming out of college, it was in the late nineties and it was the consulting boom. And I was like, I need to be an IT consultant. Like I can't, I'm like, I have no training in IT, you know, and I was like, that's what I had to do. And, and that was so not the fit for me, but, but I, but I did it. And so you know, and I, and I think I've gained a lot from that, trying different things, you know, that I don't have experience in, but I think, 
you know, and, and just continue to explore, you know, until you, until you find that and you can align kind of that, that passion set with the, the skill set. Thanks. And uh, speaking of like passion and skill, kind of going back to uh, your academic path, were there any particular classes either at Bucknell or Northwestern that stood out as the really, really stoking your passions? Yeah, I think whenever it was, you know, psychology, you know, or development related, like I took a personality psychology class in undergrad that was really neat. And I'm a big I don't know if it's just because I like frameworks in general. You know, you're yep. a framework junkie too. I just love any <laughs> right, sort of right. framework, like org framework or personality framework. I think yep. I've taken them all, all the personality assessments, and I always learn something, and I just think they're fascinating. Um, you know, and, and then I think with with Northwestern, so I got my master's in higher administration, but I took some classes. They've got a great learning and org change program, and so I took some classes in that program, and those are probably the ones I use the most. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's, uh, things you can apply, like whether you go into that career field or not, they're, they're applicable when you're running an organization or in one. Yeah. It's, it's interesting for me thinking about the world of organizational design, organizational psychology, change management, just even, you know, is it what, what the world looked like uh, in the late nineties with kind of tech boom and a lot of, a lot of like, cause I was part, I was part of a boutique consulting company that a lot of our engagements were those, those budgets that were driven by Y2K fears, right? <laughs> getting, yeah. getting organizations yeah. ready for the Y2K challenge. Uh, and then that funding source went away because a lot of tech, com- uh, a lot of consulting companies were feeding off these budgets where large enterprises, like, we don't know what we're going to do. We need help. Yeah. And then we had yeah. to pivot. But I, I, I still remember like thinking 25 years ago, the pace of change seemed crazy to, yeah. to those that had been in business before us. And now I just, you know, with the pace of change today, I just think, you know, the importance of change management and how, how needed that is. And, and a lot of times that was almost like a, a nice to have where it almost seems like the change management issues almost need to be front and center about, about people, about communicating vision. I mean, kind of go back to the EOS a little bit on that too, or strategic doing. Uh, so I know Ed Morrison, one, one way he broke it down for me in a conversation was uh, why they focus so much on the conversation, the safe space in strategic doing is like, if you, if you take an organization and uh, you have units and a smaller unit would be a team and the smallest unit you can really influence is the conversation. And so I love that idea. And so just kind of curious too, and your, your thoughts about uh, things that have held true over, over your career related to change. Uh, and then, then things that, that are maybe more important now that might've been overlooked. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right in terms of the, the pace of it. You know, increasing. So I think you know, to some degree, those those frameworks and those models, you know, need to to change as well for that quicker pace and and understanding that it's not it's not something that you treat special. Like, oh, we're gonna do a reorg, or you know, it's just it's just how business is done. <laughs> so right, weaving right. it into the fabric of of your organization. But I think what's always rung true for me, you know, in change management. Um, where, where I do struggle with some of the frameworks is that, you know, change happens at an individual level, you know, so you can even take that down from the 
conversation to the individual, yeah. the one-on-one conversation, the individual level, you know, in terms of, you know, everybody's ready at different moments or it takes different things for, for someone to be ready to change. And so, and everyone's just at, at a different pace. And that really that, that whole scale, whole scale change takes it's one conversation at a time. And, and I don't necessarily see that changing because we're still human. And right. so, um, so that's kind of been, I think, always been my aha moment, you know, in that profession and just in building in the time to do that. Thank you. Uh, were there any topics that we didn't cover today that you thought we might be when we were getting ready to have the conversation? Um, I don't think so. Is there anything that you, um, no, this was, this was great. I just wanted to make sure if there was any, anything else too, that you might want to plug or anything like that, that we might've missed. No, I was trying to think of what project better together oh, that could be a whole separate podcast yeah you might want to talk with um actually mark might be a good one to speak to that as kind of the, the overall yeah. kind of director of that um you know but that's um yeah something that's been that that's going to be uh an ongoing you know initiative coming out of this in terms of it's not just about recovering like right now it feels very much like these you know, short-term relief things, but we're going to need to switch over to recovery, you know, really soon. And it's all those, that effort, that project better together initiative and coming back to like, well, what is the vision for our community? What does, what do we want to look like? We have an opportunity to come out stronger from this, but what does that look like? And then how do we start working towards it? So right on. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I'm just going to pause for a second and then I'll wrap up the conversation. Kim, thank you so much for joining me on the Iowa Idea podcast. It was such a pleasure to have you here. And uh, I really get, appreciate you taking the time and just love your leadership t- style, your spirit, and uh, and also on a personal level, just how supportive you've been of me as a, a new business growing in the community. So I really appreciate it, having you on the show. Oh, Matt, thank you for, for having me. I'm, I'm you know, so glad that that you are a person that I know, you know, having worked with you at, at ACT and now seeing your, your business grow and thrive. And um, thank you for, 